you are about to listen to the Extraterrestrials podcast. Last podcast on the left. The biggest thing since the Zephora film. So many questions. I don't have any answers. But please, please don't stop listening to the Extraterrestrials uh, podcast. Uh. This is episode 287 of Sword and Scale. Thanks for checking us out. Sometimes monsters are politicians. I'm fading it out like natural, like a radio pro. Okay, it's faded. Faded. Welcome. Faded. Uh, You know what? It goes, uh, like, do you ever have the um, thing that goes through your head every time you have to go sit in a seat next to somebody? Do you always have the Forrest Gump taken? It's taken. No, I try to avoid sitting in seats next to people. Period. Yeah, as you do. I always. Think I, taken, I, I do taken. see you as being the guy, though, that in a theater during a during a, a one o'clock showing of Airbud Three shows up, <laughs> and you choose the seat right next to the one other person in the theater that's just there to masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> I do Fun. see you being that guy. I do. I, I like companionship in the theater, so I, I do. I warm up to somebody. I also toot a lot in the theaters. So you f- it's kind of theaters awkward. make you fart. I try to mask it with my hand and my popcorn, like, but I never time it right. No, actually, I don't. I don't fart in public ever. I don't even fart in my own car. I don't fart in my own car, even if I'm alone. I don't do it. Nope. You've never farted in public. Well, I don't know. Maybe I have, but I'm not. I'm not like a serial farter. Like you know, there, you know, like when I, you're wandering around like a Coles or or like a, you know, mall, and you walk right through some cloud, and you know it's the lady ahead of you. Like there's people that are just like I've got to get it out, and it's quiet, and so they don't care that they're ruining somebody else's olfactory senses. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. Probably also because I, it'd sound like an F-250 getting off the line at a green light. Brap, 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 You know. I don't think I've ever also, heard you fart. Yeah, I have. You farted once into the microphone right in the middle of the a mic. TCK episode while I was talking about a child being brutally murdered. What's fun about that, too, is I knew that in the edit, you'd have to decide what to do with what it. What was important. You'd probably... Yeah. At least listen to it one more time. So that's fun. Oh, uh, oh! guess what I didn't do? I didn't do an intro. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Welcome to the Extraterrestrials podcast where I'm the operator and this is Kent. Still. Still. If we took a poll and people were like, just stop, just stop, shh, just stop, don't do the intros. Where do you think we'd land? I would say that, I mean, there would be mixed reviews. I'd say that probably 99% would say stop. Yeah. We could just get right into it. 0.5% would would not have an opinion, and the other 0.5 would be like, please continue doing the, and that would be the review you left. (laughs) I do some funny statistical math and be like, "A, a large portion of our audience over 13 people. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I I kind of agree in my head. I'm like, let's just get back. Let's just let let's have me stop talking. Let's let Kent do what Kent does best, and I'll just you know. Drive well, I don't have anything to talk about. I haven't left well, the house t- in like three I'll days. Tee, I'll tee it up all the time, you know. Like I'll tee this one up. Have you had any? Have you had any mysterious pains lately? Where you're like, oh, that's new. No, it's not mysterious, but I've got pains. I broke my asshole by falling down the steps. So now I can't sit think- on hard surfaces for longer than like 15, 20 minutes. I think I broke my coccyx. 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 Uh, yeah, you should get that checked out. Not a lot oh, they can well, do Yeah, about they can't it. even do anything, so what's the point? Well, go get You get a hemorrhoid pillow. You know what those are? You're talking when about a, the donuts? Yeah, the donuts. Uh, use them for hemorrhoids. When when you go in to get a baby out and the doctor just gets out the... Have you ever seen the chicken shears they use to, like, lop into chicken skin, you know, in the kitchen? Yeah. Shunk, I've got a pair. Shunk. Yeah. Picture those, and it's 11.45 p.m. Nobody's getting around my midnight. asshole with chicken shears. Hmm? No, but... No, I'm I'm getting to, I'm getting to to the functional part of the story. Picture this: you're eleven. It's eleven forty-five p.m. You're in the hospital. My wife. Picture this: picture my picture, wife have, giving birth. Picture that you got a picture of that. Okay. All right. Everything's open. You know, it's yeah. Every, for sale, garage sale. Right and I here. don't know Justine like this, so that's yeah. Yeah. So picture just her legs wide you're open. You're asking and, me to picture this. So, yeah. Okay. It's important to the story. Yeah. And I'm six inches from, well, not six inches. That'd be creepy. But I'm like 11 inches from there because they're like, you need to catch the baby. And I'm like, all right, I'm yeah. ready. I'm like gobbed up in blue protective gear. I look like I'm, you know, working on a Smurfs hazmat scene. Yeah. Uh, and and then I look at the clock and I'm like, I wonder if she'll be born before midnight. And the doctor looks at it and goes, well, I've got a plane to catch in seven hours. So she reaches for these chicken shears and, you know, baby's head's coming, but not fast enough for the doctor. So she just goes, thwock, and makes a big old cut in what would be the opening where I've experienced that opening. You know, the opening that I have experienced. not, I would be upset if I was Justine. Yeah. She says she didn't even feel it because she had an epidural. Actually, but the epidural didn't really kick in till late. So I wonder if she did feel it. But I thought when they do that, that, that they're just like, you know, you know, like the little thin web of skin between your fingers when you open up your hand really wide, yeah. you know, just the little thin. Yeah. No, it's like if they took chicken shears and went between your thumb and your index finger and cut that whole muscle triangle in the middle about two inches into it yeah. it was thick they just went quack and it made a thwack sound because they <sighs> and then the baby came right out and and i didn't want to seem selfish but i said would you stitch that back up because i hot dog down a hallway it's all i'm gonna say yeah and doctor's like yeah so even the doctor, before the she, injury yeah, I, I cannot. Yeah, we need to think of all parties here, doctor. And she says, oh, yeah. Your wife was and still so, technically a virgin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. I was about to say something else, but I can't. So my um, ass hurts. 
Well, I'm almost done. Okay. So we can get to that in okay. a second. But so they're stitching. She's doing the stitching up and she taps me on the shoulder and she's like, you want me to put an extra stitch in there? And I was like, isn't that like the old doctor joke, though? Maybe, but she, I was like, yes, please. I feel like I that's the doctor version of you working hard or hardly working. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked on me. I paid extra. Oh, man. But let me, so your coccyx is hurting. Yes. Well, I fell down the steps and landed right on my ass bone, like like right on my ass at on the corner of a step. Was it outside or inside? Inside. But, I, I love, but have, we have wood steps, wood stairs. you have security camera in that area no, or anything? No, you're not going to see uh, it. But dang it. And my ass is, that was before Christmas. So we're looking at, it was like a week before Christmas. So we're going on two and a half weeks ago now. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was that far back. Still hurting. Like, I can Oof. only sit, if I sit on a hard seat, I mean, after 15 minutes, it's I have to get up and walk around. And I don't oh, think man. it's going anywhere. So that's just my life now. That's just a, yeah, an injury that I've def- acquired that I'll probably die with. Definitely get the episiotomy slash uh, hemorrhoid pillow. Because really the way that that heals is that you don't sit on it a lot. It'll heal a lot faster if you can get some distance between your coccyx and some substrate that you're sitting on. Or do what you want. I don't care. I mean... Uh, As I get older, my I, neck hurts a lot more. That's the you thing. still have the range of motion that you normally would. Not really, no. Yeah, but me neither. That's just I think just getting closer to death, and that's kind of a relief. I, and you know, like I said before, I, I wanted to set a new resolution where I'm not like saying something right after you do, like you say your neck, and I'm like, yeah, my neck too. What hurts on you? Well, I was gonna say. The older I get, the then the least acti- less activity I put into stretching and, you know, just all the things. My broken neck parts are kind of seizing up. So, like, I don't have a lot of range of muscle. I have to turn hey, my like whole body. you like Michael Keaton and Batman. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Only I'm you're you. Cool. You're not Batman. <laughs> exactly. Like the bad parts of Batman, none of the good parts. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're just a middle-class dude that doesn't even have a cool suit. <laughs> well, just this plaid shirt my mom got me. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, last night I did, I had an odd pain. I'm laying in the bed and going to sleep, and my abdomen just has this really piercing pain. And I was like, what the heck? And I push on it, and it felt kind of muscular, but I was like, yeah, it's in there. It could be a... Could be an organ. And then I thought through my day and Bean Bean was like, what's this? And I was like, it's called an ab roller. And you hold, you grip the ends. It's got a wheel in the middle and you wheel it out. I know what an ab roller is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I might have separated something. Yeah. How many did you do? Over four? No, I did one. And I brought it back in. And and then I smelt Kevlar after that. So I think I might have popped a a rivet. Yeah, because your stomach is mostly Kevlar because of the hernias. Yep. Worst so, case scenario, though, it's not that, and it's just cancer. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I've got to stay hopeful. Got to look on the bright side. Um, okay. I I wanted to give you an option really quick on a segment, because I have two topics today 
And one, and I can make either one into a quick segment. Uh, and so this new segment that we're doing on the show is called, what do you think, Kent? All right. Topics, topics of choice. Do you want me to tell you something really quick about an ancient Viking discovery that they've made? Or do you want me to tell you something really quick? Because the other one, whatever I say, will be more at length. So, or do you want me to tell you something really quick about um, new discoveries as far as the largest, uh, 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 one of the largest objects in in space? Which one's longer? Uh, the the space one. We'll go Viking ship. Longer. Okay, so segment on segment on Viking ship. Okay, this is crazy. There was. Is this your story? A, no, I'm just telling you about this oh, really okay. quick. Um, Tuesday of this week, they discovered the remains of a Viking hall, like you know, like a the hallway big building. Yeah, like you know, the Lord of the Rings pillars and hall and all that. Yeah, they found the they found the remains of one. That's one thing that we really didn't carry on from the from olden times is decorating halls with statues. Right. We really or don't pillars. use that space the same way that they used to because, I mean, you could spend all day in a Viking hallway. Oh, you get lost. 1,500 years ago. Yeah, you start at the Hot Topic and you make your way around a couple pillars. Before you know it, you're totally lost. Now it's just a picture of your overweight children at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is quite interesting. It's a thousand-year-old homestead that they've found. Um, they found them on a plot in Hyn, northern Denmark. Uh, it was 130 oh, feet long, 33 feet wide, and held up by between, they say, 10 and 12 massive cut oak posts. Would have supported a massive roof. <laughs> Crazy, huh? Are there pictures of this? If you see a picture, there are. There are pictures of it. What do I type in? There's an aerial view. If you type in remains of a Viking hall found in Denmark, you'll see an aerial view of the footprint that was this Viking hall. And uh, it's... Oh, wow. It's. I mean, <clears throat> when you describe it, you know, it's really hard to, like, when you describe it, you, like, really picture this extravagant thing. And, and it's not until you see the pictures that you realize it's way more boring than it sounds. Well, and that's why, that's why I was like, oh, this is perfect for a podcast. Because yeah. when I say Viking Hall, everyone is picturing the the stone, the stone cave halls in Lord of the Rings. And but what 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 is in reality here is it's a flat piece of dirt with some circles on it. It's literally dirt with circles on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, fun. But also, how did I even know this was a Viking hall? Well, f funny you should ask because at the front of it it says there was a there was a sign that's still there that says "Welcome to the Viking Hall." Please take your shoes off. And when door. I said I heard hall, I meant, I pictured just a hallway between rooms, but that's not what what is what was a Viking hall. It was like a gathering place, so it would have been like a coliseum kind of thing back in the day. It would have been a place where, like, the leader would have. They'd been, have like a flea market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe a temple in convention, Viking conventions, Judea. Yeah, something like that. 
Uh, so I don't know what you would dress. What would the cosplayers in the Viking era go to Viking Whoa. conventions dressed as? What would as? they go as? Gods? Yeah, probably gods. Or if they wanted to mock, uh, you know, if they wanted to do something ironic, they'd probably go as like Scottish people. But it's like, when were the Vikings around? What 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 time period? Well, we know that they predated Christopher Columbus to making it to the making it to America. Um, so we're talking like the twelve thirteen hundreds. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's like bad twelve. Imagine a bad twelve hundred year twelve hundred co- cosplay costume. Okay, seven ninety three <laughs> AD to ten sixty six. So they were kicking around for. 300 years in their in their uh the Viking age 793 to 10 1086 1066 um imagine a 793 AD bad cosplay convention costume yeah what would that have been like a, a not good one yeah prop as a scottish scottish or they go as like a roman <laughs> something like that or what what god did the Vikings believe in? Oh, well, they they believed in Voldemort. Odin, Thor. Yeah. The, there was a lot of Thor. There was that one year when Thor, the god Thor, was doing real big in the Viking, in the Viking <laughs> community, and everybody went as Thor, <laughs> sexy to Thor. the Viking convention in seven ninety seven A.D. Yeah, there was really hairy Viking women as sexy Thor. <laughs> And there was that one nerd that went as Odin. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even fucking know who Frey is. Some of them might have gone as Loki. Was Loki a Loki thing Loki was Thor's brother. Yeah. Who is Frey? Is it F-R-E-Y-A? Or is it? F-R-E-Y-R. Oh. In Norse mythology, Frey was the ruler of peace and fertility, rain and sunshine. No wonder you don't ever hear about Frey. He's not about that war life. Yeah, so it would have been... He was He was like the stoner of the gods. He was like, come on, man. Yeah, 793 in the Viking Age was all warlike around... Because it ended in 1066. So about 20 years before it ended, maybe 1046, there was sort of a uprising, a peace uprising, sort of like our 60s. You know, so it would have been the forties. They would have called the forties their um their their fray period. period. Yeah. Probably. And Come people on, would be, let's not people, do so many people would, let's I'm not saying completely cut out the decapitations, man. I'm just saying let's bring them down. Yeah. Man. Meet his murder. Like six decapitations a day, maybe. And then everything got turned upside down and by ten sixty with six years to go. Everybody's mad at everybody. You can't say anything anymore. And suddenly all these Vikings that have been around forever and like won a bunch of battles, they're getting canceled because they are always saying yeah. things like, man, that's Frey. <laughs> that's Frey, dude. You can't say that, dude. Yeah, I can say whatever I want. And then the next day he doesn't have an army anymore. And the next thing you know, they're finding your hallways a thousand years a thousand later. thousand years later. Nobody knows what happened. Finding that you used, That's how it happened. You used to fill that hallway with people who admired you as a leader, and by the end of it, you're just slogging it in one corner, making godcasts for a couple people to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that all you have on the Vikings? Yeah, basically. Now that you've seen the dirt, yeah. you know you you kind of you've seen yeah, the I've seen the, the dirt. And if you haven't googled it, don't just go in your backyard. <laughs> 
Make some stains, some circular stains <laughs> in your yard. You get the idea. Yeah. It's not worth Googling. Nah, it's barely good as a segment, so. <laughs> I would even say that. It was uh, It was Friday now. It's still. Yeah. <laughs> it was Friday now? I don't know. I was looking at my clock and thinking something else, and that came out. So I, Somebody on Patreon after the last episode said, I think I might be on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, I'm... And you are, so it's very funny. I'm 20% into it. <laughs> We're all good. It's all good. <laughs> <clears throat> um, it is Friday, though, so you... It is Creepy Pasta Friday. Yes. Creepy... I always, whenever I drum on something, when I'm trying to, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why, in my head, I immediately go to the tomb of that wipeout. <laughs> yeah. Creepy Pasta Friday. And today, I brought you a fun story called I Told You to Smile. And it was written in uh, May of 2015 by user Hayek X Hong Bin 238 I got to I got to be And honest, this is one of the that name that title is compelling like that like that hit me that hit me kind of weird so you know I'm excited for this Well this is one of the highest rating rated creepy pastas mm, Okay hopefully it's good So it's supposed to be a good one All right All right and this is I told you to smile Okay <clears throat> Okay and action. It was the 2nd of January. God damn it. I knew you were going to fucking do it. I knew you were. I knew you. I'm mad. At, I'm not even mad at you. It's not. It's like fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Because I fucking knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were. Uh. Uh, just a little behind-the-scenes uh, information here. The, the recording stopped a couple times, and we realized that Jess, uh, producer, uh, sitting in the back, was fiddling with the buttons, and the recording kept stopping. And then she realized it was her, and she left the whole meeting. And then she just texts me and says, I hate myself. <laughs> She's always trying to fire herself. She's like, I screwed up. It's okay. Okay, anyways, I'm so sorry. So sorry. It's growing pains. Yeah, it is. It is. <clears throat> I told you to smile. Okay. Action. <laughs> it was the 2nd of January, 12.04 a.m. I woke up to a knocking on the door. One knock every th- three seconds. I slipped on my slippers and walked down the stairs. As I walked down, the knocking on the door got faster, almost like a heartbeat. When I got to the door, the knocking stopped. I looked outside and nobody was there. I went back up to my room and went back to bed, thinking it was just some kids playing a prank. At 4.21 a.m., I woke up to the front door slamming shut. I jumped, terrified. I looked over at my frosted window to find Smile written all over it in frost. I grabbed my phone next to me, ready to call 911, only to find the message written on it saying, quote, I told you to smile. I cried and ran for my life running outside. That's that it? Just No, that's just like a weird reaction, just run outside. As soon as I <laughs> as soon as I got outside, I knocked on my neighbor's house across the road. They answered and held me while I sobbed. 
They phoned the police, and and at exactly 5.42 a.m., the police came to my neighbor's house after an extensive search of mine. They told me there had been no evidence at all of anyone in my house other than me. The messages on the windows were gone, same with my phone. They told me to get some sleep and advised me to see the doctor about stress and anxiety problems. Fuck that. I knew what happened to me was real. The following evening, after spending the day at my neighbor's, I went home. I went up to my bedroom and set up a camera. It was aimed at my bedroom door and my bed. I set it to record, and then I went to sleep. Thankfully, I slept through the night. However, as I watched the footage, I couldn't believe what I saw. At 3 o'clock in the morning, something crawled out from under my bed. It was completely naked, an anorexic man. He stood up and looked at me on the bed. He did so for another hour, not moving at all. Then he moved. He walked over to the camera until his face took up the whole shot. He was extremely pale and had bulging veins all over his head. His eyes were completely black with a huge smile on his face. He stared at the camera for another two hours, not blinking once, just slightly twisting his head every now and again. After two hours of him staring went past, he walked back over to my bed and crawled back under. I skipped the video forward until it showed me getting up and walking over to the camera. The video finished. I was frozen with fear. With fear. The video showed him going back under but not leaving. Whatever it was, it was still there. Whoa. That was good, actually. Is that the end? That's the end. <sighs> that was good. Some nice visuals in that one. Yeah, I agree with you. Pretty it was good. a weird visual to have a run outside. But. Overall. Overall. One of the better ones. Yeah, I like that I one. think. Um, do, do we, I, this is how I would imagine the ghost of Albert Fish would haunt people. Yeah. What, now that I'm thinking about it though, did I just gender this person? Did we know if it was a woman or a man? The person recording or the person under the, the, the thing under the, the bed? The, the person running around being scared and all that. Um, I don't think, well, I already closed the. I don't know. Yeah. I just pictured I, I pictured you. like a rear window kind of movie, you know, kind of scene where But then again, rear windows a, a dude. Well, I guess it depends on which version if you use the original. Let's see here. Man. Oh, I'm so confused. Yeah, it never it never does say if it was a man or a woman. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, even that, look, it evoked a it evoked me it forced it compelled me to go a certain direction with how I built the story in my head. And there's probably other people that were like, no, I was a man in my head. And the creepypasta under the bed was a woman. So good job, Ryder. Did it. See, in my head, the, cre- the, the main character was a female and the thing under the bed was a male. Yeah. Oh, and I guess it Because I think an old, an old set of balls yeah. and penis is way scarier on a, on a skinny anorexic looking creature than a vagina and i guess it did say anorexic man it did say anorexic very skinny pale anorexic man with black eyes although could you could you imagine how scary it would be if it was a old creepy anorexic woman with that hardware (laughs) super scary you know what i'm an old creepy anorexic woman with dick and balls Yeah, i just didn't want to say the words but yeah that'd be creepy 
But also with boobs? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like take okay. take an old dude and lay him, overlay that picture on top of like the creepy bathtub lady in The Shining. Yeah. Like, you got the best of both worlds. Yes, if that's what you're into. The worst of both yeah, worlds. Yeah, there we go. I can buy into that one. Oof. Wow. Does, does, that was a pretty good one, though. Yeah, does reading these ever do reading, does reading, has reading these ever made you feel like writing your own? Yeah, it has. Actually, to be honest, I've considered writing my own creepypastas for this segment. Oof. Sounds like work. And I actually wrote one for Jack a long time ago. And I was going to read it and not say that I wrote it, but I couldn't find it anymore. Oh. I don't know what happened to it. Did you? Would you have possibly sent it to me too? I don't know if I did. Mm. I'll have to go through. I don't remember. I just did it for fun, it, but it was a lot longer than the ones that I typically – it was probably like a 10-minute read, but I don't know. I just – maybe I've deleted it. I don't know. Jack really enjoyed it. And I even recorded it for something. I don't remember what, but I deleted that recording, and I think I deleted the creepypasta I wrote. Wow. Dang it. I wonder if I oh, I wonder if I have it. I'll have to look through my stuff. Oh, you know what? I think I No. I'm just looking quickly, but I I I think I might I'll have to look around, see what I can find. Um Yeah, that's interesting. And and you're in Europe, you're a good writer. So, I mean, if anyone's ever heard True Crime Kent, I mean, that's that is all your handwriting. That's not copy paste or copy pasta. That's uh, that's all you. Yeah, I write true crime, Kenny. Yeah. I mean, not the jokes, but the information is all. I don't even know. I, I wouldn't say true crime, Kenny is written. True crime, Kenny is an outline, and then you just go off the outline. So, yeah, true crime, Kent. I wouldn't say is scripted. Would you? Would you say it's it's not scripted? It is. What's a good way to put it? Uh, and it's it's unique. I mean, well, because of the way you present information, it's it's a one-off because there is scripted, but but also it's bulleted in a way. But it's a full script. But like you said, the jokes, the comedy, the things that you're adding on the fly are completely ad libbed. Like if. Like if we recorded an episode and then we and then it got got lost or something, yeah. you couldn't record the that episode again and have it the exact same way. It would be completely different each time you recorded right. it. Right. Yes. Yes, that's a very good way to put it. And we've actually not the information that we were giving, but just the everything, all the stuff in between. Well, and we've even run into that with TCK, uh, where we'll have to redo something for a minute, but. And I will say even then, the, the way that you read the information, uh, it, it doesn't sound the same twice. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. So there's a circle jerk for you. Hope that helped. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I brought – well, you know what I brought because I gave you the two options prior to me doing the segment about the oh, son of a bitch. dirty Viking – so now we're going to learn about something in space. All right. So, but here, I, I, I believe you already know about this. Some of our listeners might because there there was a I picture like with the thing under the bed. Imagine a naked Larry King. Yeah. Oh, that's that got me. I, I feel that. I feel that. 
Just scary, right? Yeah, you go to grab his arms and everything moves, but you can, like, squishes around, but you can feel the bones, the arm bones inside of there. You know? Yeah, but you can't really get a good grip on him because it just bunches up yeah. the skin. Like, it just moves. Yes, it's like skin filled with cream of mushroom soup, and then there's bones inside of it. So you're just like, oh, my. There's no connective tissue yeah. between the, the layers. The only thing that's keeping him alive are suspenders somehow. It's weird. Yeah, I imagine Larry King naked looked like that thing from Pan's Labyrinth that has the eyes in its hands. Oh, yeah, very, very blocky shoulders and uh, ribs. Skinny legs, Ugh. very skinny legs. Yeah. His his wife didn't look anything like him. She's Larry King's yeah, wife? Yeah, she's very attractive. Well, you know, Who relatively was? speaking. Larry King's wife. Larry King married a Mormon lady and... Apparently, she maintained her Mormonness throughout their marriage, which I always find, you know, you talk to anybody, you talk to Jewish people, and they're like, yeah, no, it's hard to be Jewish and have a... Holy shit. Larry King was married one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Oh, I didn't know that many. Married to Frieda Miller from 52 to 53, Annette Kay from 61 to... They got married in 61, divorced in 61. Married Aline Adkins twice... She was, he was married to Aline Atkins from 61 to 63 and 67 to 72. Married Mickey Sutphin from 63 to 67. So he married Aline Atkins from 61 to 63, divorced her, married Mickey Sutphin from, from 63 to 67, and then married Aline Atkins again. And then after breaking up with Aline Atkins in 72, he married Sharon Lepore in 76, divorced her in 83, and then he married Julia Alexander in 89, divorced her in 92, and then married Sean Southwick from 97 until his death. Wow. Well, so he was married 8 times yeah. to 7 different women. They, they he seemed to learn something each time. They got a little longer. I wonder if he ever knew that it was him, not them. It was definitely him. Yeah. Anytime you're married that many times, it's definitely you. When you think about Larry King, you know, just from what we know and everything, what would you say, like what would you say is the cause of divorces with Larry King? Probably being old. <laughs> but he but he started kicking off those marriages in the 50s. So, why why do you think they lasted so short? If it if we uh, he was old in the 50s. <laughs> Larry King was born old. He never aged a day. <laughs> Born old, never aged, just died. So it was sort of like a Benjamin butthole. He came out like a calf. <laughs> you know how they come out in a, like just in the fetal position, but a grown old man <laughs> with, in a sack. Instantly <laughs> just stands up, starts walking around. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, started bitching about children. <laughs> I would wager that the thing that probably was a repeated uh, element of his his grind in his marriages was probably I feel like he would try to be right all the time like oh for sure you know, at very absolutist sure. in the way he probably saw the world I never could stand him to be honest yeah I always preferred Charlie Rose but then they canceled Charlie Rose because he like was what was he a perv or something probably sounds like a perv yeah he, yeah, crazy. Well, um, I, I okay, okay. So back to my topic. 
Yeah, sorry. You might have heard of this. Many people might have heard of this because if there's a rash of videos that you might have seen on the Internet where it starts with the Earth and you see the Earth and then it slides out of the way and it shows you the next biggest planet, <clears throat> slides out of the way. Yeah. And, and then it shows the sun, but then it starts rattling through, just cycling through these giant stars that are bigger than our sun. And it ends on the largest confirmed star that we've observed so far, and it's called U.Y. Scooty. Um, and so if that name sounds familiar, that's then that's, that's why, because it is the reigning champion currently confirmed as the biggest one. Its radius is 1,700 times that of our sun. Uh, the last video that I watched on it tried to do a, a good scale, and they had U.Y. Scooty there in the shot, and then one pixel next to it, a little orange pixel, was taken up by the sun. I mean, that's it's hard to wrap your head around something that big. Um, in particular, though, this is what blows my mind, and 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 I'm I'm starting with UI Scooty for a reason. Uh, so you got to remember that the mass doesn't always correlate for stars. So in this case, um. UI Scooty is very large compared to our sun, but it only they say it only has thirty times the mass of our sun. So that'd be that'd be like having two Kents standing next to each other, and one weighs sixty pounds, and the other weighs your current Svelte two twenty. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, we'll go two twenty. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, so you know, looks can be deceiving. Um, when it comes to stars, but 30 times the mass of our sun, that's still pretty significant. Here's what's crazy yeah. about that. The, the diameter of UI Scuti is so large that if you, if you put the center of UI Scuti exactly where the sun is and then just let it sit there in our solar system, it would extend out far beyond Jupiter. It would burn up Jupiter. It would consume Jupiter. That's how big that's it is. That's how big it is. Just sitting there. It consumes every planet from Mercury, Venus, all the way out and just eats up Jupiter. How long would it take to get around it, the circumference, on a, on like in a, let's say, a 97 Honda Accord? Oh, gosh. <sighs> on, on just regular regular fuel or are we going with like on a – Regular fuel. Not Four-cylinder, automatic – I'm going to go with I'm going to go with uh, more low mileage, more than nine years. Yeah, damn. Well, I do know that light takes itself uh, something like thirteen minutes to pass around to to orbit the whole thing, and that's moving quick. Light is it's the fastest thing that we know about. Also, light takes eight minutes to travel from the sun to the Earth. So. That long to run around the circumference of UI Scuti, that's it's a big thing. Now, let me blow your mind a little bit. There are some other candidates that we've discovered recently that put UI Scuti to shame. Who are these candidates? Well, I'll tell you. The first one is called NML Cygni. Cygni, Cygni, you know, choose your poison whose estimated distance is about 5,300 light years from us. 
and whose radius they believe to be 1,650 times greater than that of our sun. Um, suggests that its unusual hypergiant star cocooned within a nebula and severely obscured by dust. We don't know its exact size, and the true range might be between 1,642 uh, times the radius of our sun, which would put it in competition with UI Scuti, to 2,775 solar radii, which would which would be a thousand more of that thing than thousand more uh, times the size of the radius of UI Scuti. I just I I can't I can't wrap my head around that. It's because we don't even have anything. To compare this size-wise to yeah, when we start, there's not. That's why. Yeah, when they when they start talking nothing. about have, si- sizes like this, they they they'll start using different lengths. Like they they'll actually use the length of space between the sun and the Earth as a solar unit, and so they start using that in measurement of this kind of stuff. So, like if you think about the distance between the Earth and the sun, they'll start using that to say that's how far away, or that's how round this thing is, or something like that. But they, without without fail, we're bound to find larger stars as we start looking to the skies with our new new uh, telescopes and everything. And and things are starting to seem a lot closer than ever. Uh, but yeah, can you imagine? Like I can't even wrap my head. Like the the picture. The, if you if if we got a new confirmed big giant and it was 2,775 solar radii of the sun. The video that we've all seen where the sun slides out of the way and we keep going through big stars, the UI Scuti would look peakish, peaked, peaked on the screen compared to the size of NML Cygni. Just, I don't know, it disturbs me. You know what's even more disturbing, though, and this is for another time because, you know, we're we're doing things other than this. But the size of supermassive black holes is like puts puts every star in the whole universe to shame, like not even comparative. What's scary about black holes, though, is we don't even really know what they are. Yeah. Like, yeah, I watched a documentary on the uh, the other night. It was an hour and a half documentary, and it was basically the point of the documentary was like, we really don't know what they are. Yeah. We don't know anything about them, really. It's all, all the, that, that's scary. It's scary. Because all this stuff goes into black holes, but nothing ever comes out. Isn't that weird? And, and then, even there, like we've, we've adjusted. Not even light. We've adjusted escape our a black hole. understanding of that part, even where it's like, no, not everything escapes because there's a jet of matter that's ejected out of the top of a black hole. Yeah. And like, a, but it comes back, it goes back in. Yeah, it cycles back in. It circles around mm-hmm. and goes. It doesn't make any sense. If you look at like at what what Op is talking about at a diagram of it, the matter comes out, looks like ears, mm-hmm. and it's in its route, goes out, circles around, comes back in. But we don't know where solids. When solids go into it, they just vanish. Yeah, where do they go? Um, another thing, and uh, and scientists have a lot of theories, but we don't know. 
and that makes them really scary. I th- my personal theory is when when um, you start when you start. Okay, imagine this. Imagine our universe is a big balloon, and we're inside of the balloon. And let's say you bump up against the 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 edge of the balloon. You see the balloon, and you were to grab the balloon and pinch it. And then somebody on the other side of the balloon was to just blow water or air into that area that you've pinched, and it makes a it makes another balloon based on that pin that pinpoint where you pinched. I have a feeling yeah. that time and relativity and all the things that we know when you get to that level, because we're finding that there's a marriage between gravity and time and light. That when you get that massive, the ejection that I'm wondering if we can even see might actually be creating other big bangs, creating other dimensional universes, birthing things, because it's basically a black hole is basically just a big rock tumbler for elements. You can't destroy all the elements. And they just how long do you think before we send somebody in on a we don't know what's going to happen mission? Do you think that's even something that we as in modern as modern day humans would do like take a volunteer astronaut like, hey. This might be a one-way ticket. We don't know. You're going to be a hero regardless. This thing might just chew you up and compress you into something the size of a molecule. Yeah. It might shoot you into another dimension, but we need a volunteer. Do you think that we would do that at at the state of evolution that we're at? Yeah. Or do you think they would say that's inhumane? No, I I think I think at the t- at the time in our in our progression where I could see us technologically being able to do that. I think at that point, cancel culture will get to the point where we'll have actually a residual population in our society where we're like, you could use these people for whatever because they won't mask up or, you know, something like that where where we have this residual population where we feel qualified to just kind of do whatever we want with them because they're not following the rules. I I, th- I don't know how you worked cancel culture into black holes. Because, I'm, I'm because the only way I think we would do it is if we had people that we felt were disposable, kind of like Nazis did with the Jews and kind of like Romans did with uh, everybody. Uh, but I think that would be the way is we'd either send a prisoner who was trained as an astronaut uh, or, you know, somebody that we felt like we could discard. like Somebody that had dead named. Yeah, somebody that was dead named. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be the possibility. I just, I just wonder. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we, uh, as a species, would. I mean, I would be willing to be like, hey, does anybody? If I were in things, I'd be like, does anybody volunteer? Because I really want to know what's on the other side. Yeah, uh, you know, there would be somebody with the training to step forward and be like, I'll, I'll take that bullet. If we don't even know if it's a bullet, what's interesting, you might, is when you think about. Volunteering for the that. uncertainty is scary. That's what's yeah. Is not. In order to even get get to the point where you would be talking about finding a volunteer for that, that means that some organization like NASA or a government or somebody would have had budget to put behind an idea, which basically at the first napkin meeting at Denny's, everybody's like, "Now we realize this this will kill a person." I mean, we know this out front. Like this is this isn't. We don't know that, but they're definitely not coming back. Yeah. Like yeah, you're not even. I mean, if it, even if it shoots you into another dimension and you land safely on another, you're not coming back. And I think that's where we run into a problem right there at the beginning, because in order to get the funding that you would need for a mission like that, you'd have to have politicians and and people who are worried about their own image uh, involved with granting that kind of f- financial 
exp- uh, you know, pocketbook. And I think they're too worried about their own skin to be the one that said, no, yeah, I was one of the people that said, yeah, we should send this guy. So I don't know if we'd ever get off the ground with even the concept before we could even get to I didn't even really think this through either because how would they relay information? Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, this doesn't just kill you. I'm somewhere up. We'd have to put a big string with two cans. Yeah, two cans. On the end of it from their ship. Right. And that way they would have – because radio signals aren't going to work. So the only thing you got is the two cans on a string. It's have to be a really long string that goes all the way back to Earth. And then they go through the black hole and relay what they're seeing, what's going on, or just nothing. Or by the time we were able to send somebody that far – and I'm just positing. I mean it could be be the string and can – or we might have already set up sort of like hotspots, way stations, uh, transmission places on on meteors, on planets along the way so that that message is sort of uh, relayed to the closest thing. It, re- it, it picks it up. It amplifies the signal, sends it on. And so we're kind of puddle jumping the messages uh, or, or a can, two cans and a string, you know. It just makes me sad that I know we're not going to know what black holes are before I die. You know what? And that's I think that's one of the fun things about believing in a God is like I I I I think we'll know. Like, you know, I think that there's going to be an answer somewhere. I'm not saying that just because I believe in a God, but but there's something about that last chapter when when you've when you're like have have a religious faith where you're like, yeah, no, somebody knows and he's going to tell us about it or she's going to tell us about it or you know, and so that's kind of a, I never really thought about that, but that's probably like a little bit of a, it's probably a book to write there on, on why faithful people or people in a religion have like such, maybe in a lot of cases, smug, absolutist uh, opinions that they know how things are going to end or whatever. Because I would say, you know what I think black holes are? What? I think we're living in a, in a uh, simulation, and black holes are just a glitch. Ooh. And the zeros and ones. Yeah. And, it, and But the programmer, it's just a programming glitch. And they were like, well, it's way out there at the end of the map. They're not going to find they it. They won't get there in time. We haven't built them they won't. to do that. You know how in the video games you get to the end of the world, and sometimes it like glitches out and stuff. If you get on the mountaintop, that's supposed to be the boundary of the free world realm yeah. game. They put it on the other side of the map. Yeah. On like the other side of that barrier, and we figured out how to get over that barrier, and now we're finding the the glitches in the in the zeros and ones, and that's what black holes are. It's just programming. Glitch. I can see that, and that's what I'm going to go with. I like it. Let's land. On, let's settle on that. Somebody put a one where it was supposed to be a zero. Yeah, they're like, oh, Randy, dang it! It's on the other side of the mountain, though. No big deal. They won't find Fine. it. They get to, but they, they'll die of. Uh, the tuberculosis before they make it over the mountain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thought I was just having was when it comes to aliens and stuff, you think about how, how we're wired, you know, the movies always make it out to like that. We're going to be shooting at whatever comes out of the sky or, or uh, you know, that it'll be a war. But I kind of believe, I kind of believe that if, and when they show up, we'll be like, man, these people are way advanced. We need to listen to everything they have to say. And at that point we got one of two things is going to happen. Either that civilization that shows up is advanced enough to know that their past wanting to dissect everything that they come across like us, or they're going to just 
will play right into their hands and then they'll dissect us. So I'm hoping for the I'm hoping for the the former. Well, I mean, if they found us first, they're clearly like way more millions of years yeah. ahead of ahead of us yeah. and we're like monkeys to them. Yeah. And what do we do with monkeys? Yeah, right. Well, it, we put them in cages. Like even if or we shoot them into space. Even if like, and there's some self-serving purpose behind it for us. Like imagine Imagine if we went to a planet where there were monkeys and the monkeys were like, hey, we're willing to learn anything you want to teach us. We would probably have selfish, uh, you know, motives in mind as to what we would teach. Not only that, but we would but we would be like, uh, yeah, but like what we're doing here is like way too complex for your stupid little monkey. Yeah. Like it's more of a gimmick. And a and. And a funny thing to teach the humans alien stuff and watch them, like, make you and make TikToks, you know, of look at the humans yeah. using a neurotransformation. Yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like, well, can you help us make armor? And they've got the ability to make, like, the most bulletproof stuff in the world. But they're like, yeah, no, take this. And we're like, oh, that looks a lot like oak. And they're like, no, it's advanced. It's super advanced. But it's basically oak. Like, they're just, they're, they're. They're dumbing things way down. They're not going to show us the unobtainium that they have. They're going to be like, no, this is pretty protected. Yeah, because we can't wrap our mind around it. Yeah. Also, if they brought – see, that would be another downer is if they brought materials, elements, substances to Earth that we don't have here, the crowd would just go, aw, because what what can we do? They'd sh- show and tell it to us and then leave with it or leave us one sample. They're not going to let us play with no. it. And can you imagine if they left it as a sample? What would we as people do? We'd be like... Try to reverse engineer it. We'd probably have a war on our hands trying to figure out who gets to keep it. Yeah. Also, where do you think they'd land? Like, where do you think they'll drop in and just be like, hey, we're here? Mm. My selfish brain says, oh, it'd be America. Wisconsin. But I wonder, like, what if it's not... What what if it's not... uh, you know, what if it's like Bolivia or Morocco? I, probably, I think they would probably try to pick somewhere secluded. Yeah. Like Hawaii or an island Con- somewhere. Controlled environment. Yes. You coming. Yeah. Yeah. I love listening to Bob Lazar, though. Oh, dude. There's something. I don't think he's lying. I, it's, I don't either. I don't either. I my head around anything. I believe him. It's how he hasn't gotten... A single red cent for his story that, by the there's the shortstop. He's back. Nope. <laughs> he hasn't got a single red cent for his story, by the way, which has remained unchanged for 30-something years. Yeah. Hasn't changed at all. He doesn't want any. He hates attention. He hates being in the media. He turns down interviews all the time. And the only thing that he gives a fuck about is... Uh, is uh, jet engines and science and stuff. Yeah, He's like, yeah, I mean, he's not interested in the alien part of it. He, what he's trying to tell people is about what he saw from a technological st- standpoint because he's a scientist. He's like, yeah, yeah, there was probably aliens. I don't, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. It's the science, the technology that I was interested in. He doesn't give a fuck about aliens, and he doesn't want alien UFO researchers or any of that shit. He doesn't want them bothering him. It's how... First off, genuine he seems, and how I just believe him, man. I think I do too. And if you haven't listened to the Joe Rogan episode with Bob Lazar, B O B L A Z A R, 
God, go listen to it because it is it is fascinating. And then from there, there's two or one or two documentaries which really dig in with him, and you can tell he's reluctant in them, but at the same time, uh, full full of information. What here here was the clincher for me. Here was the clincher. He's sitting with the guy that's doing this documentary, the documentarian. They're sitting at like a diner, and the documentarian says, "You know, I somebody else." who said that they were on site there has sent me some photos of things that they say they took photos of from the site. It was when he was talking about that whenever he worked the hand at that top, the hand scanner. Yeah. yeah. Because he had, he had talked about it ad nauseum. He was like, yeah, every time you went in, you had to put your hand on this thing and it would scan. And it you. would measure the distance of your bones, yeah. which are very unique, like a fingerprint. Uh, and, and he said that it's not used anywhere else. It was really obscure and really bizarre. But it, and so he would talk about it. And what was it? Bob Lazar. <laughs> it was Bob Lazar. Super. Um, so this documentarian sitting there talking to him and he's like, so I, I, um, I have some photos. Can, I was wondering if I could show him. So he shows him the photos and he show, one of the photos is of this hand scanner. And when Bob sees it, he goes, yeah, that's it. That's the hand scanner. And then he looks right at the documentarian and keeps talking. He doesn't spend a bunch of time on the hand scanner going, no. like proving his point, like, oh, you see here, there's the screws, and that's the thing I was talking. He doesn't, he's already seen it a billion times. So he just sees it, confirms it, and then moves right on. Like that to me is convincing. He had nothing to prove after even seeing it. And, and he's not tried to gain a dollar, no. not one dollar out of, out of all this. And he's, uh, he didn't even want to go on Joe Rogan. Wow. Yeah, I want to go on Joe Rogan. Not sure what I talk about, but I mean, and, and I can't remember where he where he said he worked at. It was uh, some like Area Fifty One esque. Um, what was it called? Um, but they had essentially, according to him, had hired him to f- try to figure out this stuff that they had got from a crash site. Reverse engineer, I think, uh, right? Reverse engineer yeah. and Bob, and this is another reason. I don't think he was lying as he described what that he was trying to work on, but he was like, I didn't help any. I didn't know what it was. And that was his field. Propulsion, I believe, was his expertise. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I, I don't – we didn't we didn't get anywhere whenever I was there. He was like – and according to him, they would like switch out scientists to try to get like a new take. And whenever they didn't get anything, they would put it back in storage for you know, ten fifteen years, wait for technology on our end to catch up, and then bring it back out of storage and try to um, check it out again to see if we could get make any leeway on it. And it was apparently a crash from the fifties or something that he was working on, but it was still so far ahead of us from a technology technology standpoint that he was like, we we couldn't even begin to like to wrap our minds around like even as smart as he is, yeah. He's like, I, I no idea. We didn't figure out anything. The only thing he could describe was at one point they did let him go inside the ship that they had gotten, and he was describing how the floors fold up like an accordion and then close up. It's like the door, and you can visualize that. Yep. The way like um, the way uh, like uh, pop crates, you know, cardboard pop crates. You can fold them, yes. but they also roll out, and then they're sturdy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it and he said that's rigidity. the way the floors were in it. Yeah, um, he talked a lot about element one fifteen, which everybody else was like, "I don't know." What Turns out to be true. Yeah, and he was talking about one fifteen twenty years before it was even released to the public. Yeah. 
and and still not a lot on it. I mean, as far as what we're talking about, like what its properties are pretty wild, though. And he was saying that it basically I mean, he summed it up as element 115 under certain conditions has anti-gravity properties. And that I don't even understand that. So that's crazy. It's so he's my favorite. I love him. I love Bob Lazar. So genuine. That's what gets me, you know. Like you said, he hasn't gained a dollar from this and all that. And he hates the publicity. What creeps me hates out, it. though, is where he worked. There were a lot of people that worked there. So think of the number of people that know what he knows or more and just don't say yeah. anything about it. That, I don't but know. there's also other things like there has been proof of cover-ups. Oh, yeah. With his education. He said that he he uh, was he, he went to college at... Was it uh Oh yeah. And or, no, he worked he worked somewhere or went to school somewhere and then to try to like decredit him, the government said no he didn't. Yeah. He he had never been to that institution or whatever. And then they went back and found his records mm-hmm. and they were like, No, but there had been they didn't know who had done it, but there had been um work to get his records taken away, but they had missed some stuff. Yeah, both with his and, college experience and with his employment, and and so they found trails, rather because they had deleted a lot of the content or just shredded it. But yeah, they found they found it. Oh, so weird, so crazy. Uh, that's a that's a rabbit hole that you could spend days on, Bob Lazar, for the uh, people that are interested in that kind of stuff. We should we should do an episode just on Bob Lazar, and you pick like a certain angle for, of Bob, and I'll take one, and, and then we'll kind of come together. I'm only going to take an angle in support of Bob, so you're going to have to pick the uh, well, no the devil's advocate. I, I can't not support him, so I think I would just take the angle of like I'll do I'll do his life leading up to, and then you you would talk about all the weird stuff. After okay, that'd be fun. Let's do that. And if you like watch his home life videos of him at home, like I said, there's not much of it, but just his he's just a good husband. Like his wife, you could tell she loves him, and he's just a calm, like soft spoken, shy dude. He's just like so the opposite of the narcissist that stuff like this tends to bring out. Yeah, the hoaxers. He's you know what I mean, like the people. He's not a gearhead. And his house is full of literally. He's just a fucking nerd. Yeah. And he's like a, just a nerd. Everything that was in his house literally could have been purchased at a garage sale, it looked like. Like, there was nothing ostentatious about his life. Maybe when it comes to, like, his passion with engineering and stuff, there might have been, you know, might have might have wowed some people. But as far as his normal life, like you said, nothing. And he doesn't care about aliens. That's another. He doesn't care. Yeah. He has such little interest in aliens. He kept saying, you're missing the point. He, he yeah, would say, throughout the Joe Rogan, he said so many times, you're missing the point. Yeah. It's not about aliens. They had, because he was infatuated with the propulsion systems. Yeah. That, that he was supposed to be, you know, trying to figure out reverse engineer. He's like, yeah, there was probably aliens. I don't know. Fuck them. I may have seen them. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't care. All he cared about was these propulsion, the nerd stuff. Yeah. And and what's really cool is to uh, to the point of him being so reluctant is anybody with the attention he was getting would probably try to make hay with well what do you want me to be an expert on 
I was there so I can talk about anything. You know, we would all be like, for that money? Yeah, I'll tell you I was front and center because who's going to deny it? No, he just stayed in the pocket. He was like, no, this is what I knew while I was there. This is what I experienced. I, he, he wasn't trying to, you know, presume or assume more of a role than he played there. He'll actually dismiss it if people are like, oh, you, your knowledge is so expansive. He'll be like, no, it's actually not. I had a very narrow view on things. Yeah, he doesn't try to make himself more important than because he says that the government compartmentalizes yes everything. Right. They don't want everybody interacting and put and being able to so like according to him, they would have one set of engineers and scientists working on like the propulsion system while another group in a separate part works on say the armor or whatever and he doesn't want those people interacting because for for X or Y or Y, he wants the knowledge the knowledge to be very limited as to the whole picture. And he and he'll say on a couple parts, he's like, I don't know about that other stuff. He's like, Yeah, I would be going down a hallway on a break or something, and I would see something, but I don't know what I was looking at. Yeah. I don't know what it was. And he doesn't even try to make up things. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Again, that was another field of expertise that I had nothing to do with. A liar would try to bloviate. They'd try to have a lot more ornamental detail about what they saw or experienced, and he never does it. Oh, yeah, he would even say that uh, they would they would craft the shift changes so that there was gaps in information between the people that were working on even similar projects. It's crazy. Well, we've and it's also little parts of his story. It's like little stuff. Like he said, the first time he saw what was left of the craft. Mm-hmm. From the crash, the first time took him into the hangar and let him see it. He said that it's little details that like just make it more. He said that somebody had slapped a little uh, United, a uh, little American flag sticker on the side of it, which is so funny. Like I can just see a PFC <laughs> or Marine or somebody low, a low ranking person that's just like just doing that as a gag. And he said that when he walked past it, he ran his fingers over it. Uh, over that old sticker that was on the side of it, and he got reprimanded, got yelled at by one of the uh, military officers for touching it, told him not to touch it. And there was nothing more to the story. It was just like little details, like there was this little American flag sticker that one of them had slapped on it jokingly, and he tried to touch it, and he got yelled at. Yeah. And there wasn't nothing, any, anything more to the story. It's like, how do you even make that up? You know, like Inconsequential. It was just... Right? Yeah. Yeah, and when you're when you're out there to prove your point, everything points back to to, to your point. And to your point there, he'd talk about lunch on base just as just as uh, as comfortably as he'd t- be talking about propulsion systems. It, yeah, it's wild. Bob Lazar, go down that rabbit hole. It is worth it. And there's also a documentary I still believe on Netflix. Yep. Yeah, it's great. But I would say that Joe Rogan interview is better than anything. Yeah, because what he ended up doing there was he kind of piecemealed all the really important stuff. And I think that's, you know, like him or hate him, that's one thing that Joe does really well on his podcast is he takes somebody with a disturbing amount of knowledge and a lot of it mind-numbing. And he seems to craft a two- or three-hour conversation with them about the, the the juicy bits, the best parts, you know. Yeah, and Joe is also really good, and you'll hear J- Joe doing it in the interview at trying to pick up, like if somebody is lying, trying to pick at, like trying to find the the chinks, yeah, yeah, in their armor, yes. and he he tried for th- and Joe at the end of it at the end of that episode, if I remember, he was like, I don't, I believe him, yep, I did, 
he said, I saw a man that was telling the truth, that wasn't lying. And and I think Joe went into that interview planning on dancing with him, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I mean, he walked out a believer. So very few people that have done that with him on the show. Uh, Graham Hancock's another one where Gra- uh, Joe Rogan actually showed up on Graham Hancock's documentary because, you know, he he supports his his theories on things so much. So, yeah, it's cool stuff. Anyway, you know what we should really try to do is I should try to figure out a way to craft a more elegant way out of this ep- these episodes because it is just so ham-fisted. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. That's the way I've seen your hands balled up, too, and that's how I would describe them. Yeah. They just look like two hams. Yep. Whenever I'm on the phone with Not a lot of, like, distinct. Yeah. Soft, like uh, like Harry Potter's half brother or whatever yeah like how you would imagine alex jones's fists (laughs) (laughs) the only thing they punch is his own forehead yeah just soft fluffy but still fists tense like in like tense for no reason like yeah i i relate i relate all right well um seems like i'm phoning it in when i say it but love you yeah, I know you do, man. Yeah. And I love you, too. Uh, all right. Then I'm going, I'm flying like an eagle. And I love Bob Lazar. Me, too. All right. And I also love cake. I love cake. Should we? T- no, we got to go. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go. Okay. Hugs, everybody. Bye.